Classic, Matt. Why do I feel like we act more drunk at 9.30 in the morning when we're just drinking coffee than we do when we're fully drunk at 10 o'clock at night recording the episode? Hey, Emily. Hi, Kayla. You ready to talk about all the shit? Oh, am I ever? We're doing a little morning session this week. Just like a little, like instead of sipping wine, we're sipping coffee. Like, yeah, just like waking up to the bachelor bullshit. I'm so excited about it. It's just like another day that we get to talk about Chris Harrison being a racist, you know? Which speaking of guys, we know that that is obviously the biggest talking point is everything that went down with Chris Harrison and Rachel Kirkconnell this week. That being said, the episode was kind of bullshit. It'll take us no time at all to recap. So we will discuss all the Chris and Rachel stuff at the end, just so we can get the bullshit episode out of the way. But the bulk of our episode will probably be discussing Chris Harrison. I will say that with everything that has happened this week, it felt weird to turn on my TV and like see Chris Harrison and Rachel Kirkconnell. Obviously, they're not discussing on the show it being weird, but like it's weird. Yeah, it's it was so like I don't even want to say uncomfortable. It was just kind of disgusting. Like, oh, I don't want to see you guys. And it's so weird. Obviously, we've talked about this before that the show is like recorded ahead of time, but that means that like you know, everything you're seeing, it's like they can't go back on it. And also, if theories are true, I I'm sorry, this is not a spoiler at this point. Like with everything going on with Rachel, we've been seeing it everywhere in the media. Yeah. She probably wins. And the problem with her probably winning is they can't really edit her out of the episodes. And the reason I say that that's a problem, I've, I've mentioned this on the show before, is that, you know, I don't know if we've got any Drag Race stands on the house, but on season 12 of RuPaul's Drag Race, there was a queen that faced really serious sexual assault allegations. And she made it pretty far in the process, but she didn't win. And because she didn't win, they were able to edit her. And I feel as though with everything that Rachel is facing, the show probably would do something like that if she didn't. At the top of the episode, we see some just bullying happening, Uh, just just some mean tones. But what we don't see is really Rachel engaging, at least in the group. We see her talk about it, but we don't see her in the group setting, like kind of going after Heather. You know, very clearly they're giving her an edit that makes her look nicer. Right. So we kick off with Heather, the BS from last week, and we won't spend too long on it because the episode didn't spend too long on it. But basically, we kick off with her conversation with Matt. She tells Matt that Hannah Brown came back from quarantining with him and Tyler and that she told Heather that Matt was just the absolute perfect man for her. And Heather says she shared all about you and your heart, which she repeats like six times. And this is literally my least favorite thing in the entire world is people saying that they can see your heart. She shared stuff about your heart. I know his heart. Stop it. Just say she told me a lot about you and I think we'd be a good match. <laughs> like, Yeah, it's such a weird bachelor thing that everybody wants to talk about their heart all the time. I'm like, all right, go take an anatomy class, you psychos. <laughs> we don't need this. Serial killers. Just talk about, just talk about your feelings. Like, why do you have to be like, I love you and your heart? No. I see your beautiful heart. If someone said that to me, I'd be like, "Mm, we're breaking up. I'm going to say that to Ben later. I'm just going to say, I just know you and your heart. So then Matt expresses that Hannah's opinion matters a lot to him. And he says that he's excited Heather is there, which is how we know that Heather's going to go home. 
I do think that if she had showed up earlier in the season, like maybe when the second round of girls came through, like Heather is a nice girl and I'm sure that her and Matt would be compatible. And I'm sure if she had arrived earlier in the season, he probably would have kept her. But at this point, like they're going into hometowns next week. Like, yeah. What's he going to do? Like give a new girl a hometown over one of the people he's been dating for the last like month and a half. Right. But that being said, we see some absolute I mean, honestly, just really disappointing behavior. We said it when the new girls came in and the quote OGs were bullying them. But this is worse, honestly. Like, I really felt like this was worse. Basically, Heather comes back from her conversation with Matt. She walks into the lobby of the Nima Colon with the other girls. And she just tries to, like, make an introduction, say hi. And immediately the girls are like, what are you doing here? And are super, super confrontational. Like, I get, you know, obviously we get being upset. It it would be so weird if someone tried to join, like, week six. Absolutely. But it was, like, the confrontational aspect of it was really upsetting to see. Why are you here? You're bachelor hopping. Right. Oh my God. Yeah. Like Jesenia was like, so you didn't, it didn't work out on that one. So you came to this one, huh? Like, oh my God. Yeah. And the thing is, if you're on this show, you understand that this is the producers. Like they, Heather didn't want to come week six. I'm sure she like wanted to come. Maybe it was too late, but like, this isn't like her fault that she's there now. Every, all of this is like the producers twist everything and you should like, you know this. Right. And so that's what was really disappointing. And they probably also, to be fair to the girls, probably twisted it to the girls as well. Also just after we wa- talked about Mean Girls, literally all that last episode, I was just in the mood to watch Mean Girls. So Ben and I watched it the other day and going from Mean Girls, which was made almost 20 years ago to watching last night's episode of The Bachelor did not feel like that large a departure. All these people who told Matt that they needed to get rid of the bullies in the house, then turning around and bullying Heather... It was such a classic, like, power trip kind of situation of, like, the bullied becoming the bullies. It was really sad to watch and super disappointing. I think, I think, and I said this, I think that the women this season kind of don't know how to fully channel their energy in a way that's actually constructive to them and their relationship and rather kind of channel it in a way that does drag other people down. Right. It was just sad to see, especially because it was some of our faves. I wrote this down and this is kind of fucked up, but it's true. Like it's all the girls, like putting this in the setting of high school, because that's very much what it felt like. It felt like a very high school interaction. These are all the same bitches that have Bible quotes in their Instagram bios that are like, walk with God. And then they're like absolutely annihilating Heather for having the nerve to take a paycheck and listen to producers. I don't want to hit on it for for too long, but it was really mean. And I did feel really bad for Heather and it did make me regret a lot of what we said about Heather last week only because not that we said anything brutal, but it's just, we were like, Oh, it's so lame. And like, it was lame, but at the same time, she didn't deserve to have her like asshole ripped open by these girls. (laughs) Right. And it was like lame, but again, it was like the producers. So it doesn't, none of it really matters because he doesn't end up keeping her. And it is, he does say like, it's too late in the process. And, you know, I just know other people too well, but like, Heather, have no fear because he probably will not stay with whoever he chooses and he will still probably date you. So it's okay. We're going to see a post in phase like 10 of lockdown when the quarantine crew gets back together, except this time Heather's invited. And then we'll like know that Heather and Matt are are not fucking, but but like probably dating. So it's fine. Right. So then we move on to the, to the rose ceremony. It's just like I said, at the top of the episode, it's weird watching Chris and Rachel. We see, I think an interaction between Chris and Rachel at one point and 
it's it's difficult to watch because we've known this entire season that Rachel's probably racist. Then this week we find out that Chris Harrison's racist. And it just felt like watching the ghosts of racist past and present. And like, I, I'm yeah. looking for future. I don't know who's next, but I'm sure someone will be next to fall. But yeah, so we move into the rose ceremony and the roses go to Brie, Rachel, Serena P, Kit, Jasenia, Abigail, and then Piper and Michelle already had roses from one-on-ones, which means that leaving are Chelsea and Serena C. Yeah. And you know... You guys know this is a Chelsea Stan account over here. She has been, you know, giving in a little bit to the mean girl energy, apparently, over the last few episodes. But Chelsea's literally too good for everyone, and she knows it. So her, you know, it's like, it was her time to go. We will miss her. She deserved better. But I think that the energy of the house has really gotten to everyone, and I think it was like kind of her moment. And then Serena C, a good riddance. After you bullied Katie, I feel no remorse for you. Right. Serena C was the one that I just like couldn't have cared less. Like Chelsea, I did feel she didn't really get a fair shot. Um, and I think that Chelsea's great. Serena C, however, I was, I couldn't have been less sad. Just, yeah. I was like, bye, bye. We are left with only two girls who have not had a one-on-one, which are Jasenia and Abigail. So there's going to be two one-on-ones this week in a group date. What they led us to believe was that Jasenia and Abigail would be getting the one-on-ones. Then there would be a group date. But no. then they decide to give Serena P mm-hmm. a second one-on-one, which you can tell that Matt did because he's on the fence about Serena P and he couldn't tell if if he wanted to bring her to hometown. Right. I had no problem with the reasoning why Matt decided to give Serena P a second one-on-one. What I had a problem with was him then giving Jasenia a one-on-one and not Abigail. That made no fucking sense. Like in a perfect world, everyone would get a one-on-one before hometowns. They never do that. There's always one that gets, you know, a second one. And then there's a girl left who never gets one. And usually, unfortunately, it leads to her going home. And it was just really disappointing because Abigail is uh, an angel on this earth. And she was like really upset kind of before the rose ceremony and scared. And then she gets, she stays obviously. And she's so happy. And she has like the most beautiful, wholesome smile. And you're like, I'm I'm so excited for you. And then they announced the date card and it's Serena P. And it's obviously very awkward. Like Serena P is like, I mean, I'm really excited, but I feel bad. Like, I feel like it should have been Abby or jesenia but like i'm still excited like it's such a weird thing to navigate but you know credit to serena p because she handled it really really well okay guys one of our favorite parts highlighting some small businesses that we love and one of them this week is renhouse atelier a scented soy candle company based in sandy hook connecticut this local company handcrafts and hand pours high quality candles in a variety of scents and sizes they are completely vegan all natural and all their components are made in the usa right down to the wicks Plus, soy wax burns longer, has a strong throw, and maintains a clean burn, making them safe for animals, babies, and those sensitive to strong fragrances. Runhouse candles come in four sizes, from 8-ounce tins to up to 16-ounce mason jars, so they fit right in with your home decor. Renhouse also offers handmade gift boxes with candles and soaps from another local small business. Head to their website at renhouse-atelier.com, so that's W-R-E-N house-A-T-E-L-I-E-R.com to shop or to see where they sell at local shops and follow them on Instagram at Renhouse Atelier. Again, that's W-R-E-N house-A-T-E-L-I-E-R. 
So then on Serena P's second one-on-one, basically all we learned is that Serena P can't fucking stand tantric yoga. That's all they discussed at the dinner portion. But basically that's what they did on the day portion of the date. They did tantric yoga and they began it by taking off their shoes, walking around the space and yelling and screaming and talking about how crazy that was. To which I say that clearly neither of these people have a bachelor's degree in theater because that's... That's the base no. curriculum. No, you've never had to like act like a dog in a fucking theater acting class. Crazy. So they like do this yoga. Matt, Matt is giving me the most Christian guy vibes doing the yoga because this is like what like a sexual experience is for him, I think. And so he's like, I loved this. Like, this is so the guy, you know, in college who like does young life and is saving himself for marriage, but like, will do anything to get any form of intimacy as long as it's not sex. Like that is the vibe that Matt was giving me. He was like, I'm vibing right now. Like he was loving this. This is like Christian guy heaven. But also... Okay, I don't want to speculate on anyone's virginity, but there's a point where Serena P is fully doing a plank above Matt. She's levitating about three and a half feet off of him. And then the voiceover comes over and she's like, we were doing a lot of sex-based positions. And I was like, girl, how do you think that sex works? You were three feet above him. Do you float when you do it? Also, can you tell me how? (laughs) I find her interesting because she's a client and because she sleeps above her covers. Four feet above her covers. So- Matt really liked it, obviously Christian guy vibes. And then Serena really was uncomfortable. So fair, dude, like so fair. But I'm really, I'm proud of her because she did tell him obviously that it made her uncomfortable. Like he asked, he was like, what did you think? And she was like, I didn't really like it. And that was like, I was like, good for you. Serena P was like, this was straight up the worst day of my life. And I hate tantric yoga. Then we briefly cut back to the house where the group date card gets read. All the girls are on it except for Jesenia, meaning that Abigail is on the group date, meaning that Jesenia gets the second one-on-one. And Abigail, rightfully so, is just absolutely heartbroken because she was the first impression rose. Like, And in the first few weeks, like we really yeah. saw Abigail kind of coast because a lot of times the person right. who gets the first impression rose doesn't get a one-on-one for a while because the that was like Hannah G on Colton's season. Like she didn't get a one-on-one until like so yeah. freaking late. But a lot of times it's because the lead is like, okay, I'm clearly interested in them. I gave them the first impression rose. Like they can hold out for a little while. We'll get to why this is so sad when Abigail eventually goes home later in the episode. But basically we find out that all these girls are on a group date except for Jesenia. So then we come back to the dinner portion of Serena P's date. And literally I wrote, they have no chemistry. She doesn't like tantric yoga. And yet she has a rose. That's all I learned. Yeah. And it's like, we kind of were thinking maybe he won't give her the rose, but I do think he like didn't have a reason not to, but also like, uh, okay, I don't really, I don't really see it, but I really like Serena P. So like, I'm happy for her, but I was like, I like Serena P. They just have zero chemistry. Yeah. There's nothing, there's nothing happening, but whatever. So he gives her the rose. So she's going to hometowns, which, you know, good for her. Uh, and then, uh, yeah, I mean, literally all that they did was talk about the tantric yoga. I was like, we got it. We got it, Matt. You love it. So then, um, we go basically the next big thing that happens is the group date, which basically there was no date. It was just a cocktail party with the girls that were on the group date, which honestly I kind of liked because by this stage in the game, 
when it's like right before hometowns and they have to do one more week of group dates, why are you going to yeah. make them play like strip volleyball? Like, please don't mud wrestle. <laughs> like like you, let's just do the, let's just do the cocktail portion. You know who you like. They know they like you. Like we don't need to do a stupid competitive sport. So I kind of liked that the group date no. was basically just a cocktail party. Yeah. But yeah. Brie is talking to Matt and says that she had to resign from her position the week prior in order to stay on the show. And that happens to a lot of contestants because what normal job is going to let you take eight weeks off to go beyond The Bachelor? Most jobs won't. Um, but I think it was important that they chose to show Bree saying that because in a normal year when contestants leave their jobs, it's kind of like, okay, well, I'll just get something else when I come back and I'll have my Fab Fit Fun, fab fit fun deal to keep me warm. But in a year of a pandemic when the job market is horrible, um, it is a much bigger sacrifice to leave your job to come on this show, like really not knowing there's no job security right now. So I appreciate that they chose to show her saying that because I think sometimes people who watch this show are like, what do these people not have jobs? And it's like, no, they do. (laughs) They do. And they like fully will leave the job a lot of times. And it happens like a lot. I mean, pretty much I would say like every season there's Mm -hmm. someone who has to kind of give it all up. And yeah, Brie ta- Brie is really interesting because we really like Brie and really early on she got a great cut and I, I feel like I've hardly yeah. seen her. Um, and, but he clearly really likes her. Obviously we see yeah. later, but like we just haven't seen a lot of her, which obviously we talk about, like we've talked about like the way that the screen time goes predominantly to white people. Yeah, notice how extremely notice racist. how we gave so. Victoria 50 minutes of screen time every episode, even though she went home in like 19th place. But Brie, who is like clearly a front runner, we've gotten 36 seconds this entire season. We've like hardly seen. I mean, it just, it really is just says a lot, but also like, we really like Brie and I'm like, I would really like to see more of Brie because he, he really likes Brie and Brie and Michelle. I think Michelle got good screen time early on too, and has kind of fizzled recently. And I would like to see both of them a lot more because, because I really like them. Well, they only give screen time to people of color when they're being mean. Right. Literally. Which is horrible. But notice how we've seen 900 minutes of Serena C being a bully, but we don't see women of color get airtime. Right. And we see Piper, we see Piper, like when she's really upset, obviously this episode, like they showed a lot of that, but we don't see like Michelle and Brie who are literally getting hometowns and we know nothing about them. Right. You know. We don't know. We don't, we barely know them. So then we get to the worst part of the episode, uh, which is when Abigail goes to Matt and she says this week has been really hard for her. Fucking obviously, obviously this week has been really hard for her. And Matt goes, why? Why, Abigail? Just because I haven't spoken to you in six weeks and I keep telling you how much I like you, but refuse to give you the time of day. Sounds like classic Matt behavior. Um, such Matt behavior. Why are you sad? You ghosted me. Why are you sad? Even though I treat you like a house plant, I forgot to water. <laughs> like, yeah. Abigail's getting treated like my succulent, which is just dead up there. How do you kill a succulent? I don't know. How do you kill an Abigail? This is heartbreaking for a lot of reasons, but the, the most heartbreaking thing that comes out of this interaction is that Matt basically tells her he forgot about her. Like that is the root of what he tells her, he basically tells her that I gave you the first impression rose because we have a great connection. And I really liked you. And I kind of put you on the back burner because I knew that I liked you. So I wanted to see where I was with other women 
But in doing so, I've advanced my relationships with a lot of the other women. And I, I don't really feel that way about you anymore. And it was fucking horrible to watch. Like, at least like when Hannah G, when Colton didn't give Hannah G a one-on-one till the last second, we fully knew the entire time that he was so into her. Like Abigail, he right. quite literally forgot about. Well, and I feel like every interaction that they have, because we always want more time for Abigail, obviously, it was always her like pioneering it. It's her pulling him aside and being like, I want to talk to Matt because I'm nervous that he like forgot about me because she's been saying this for weeks and weeks. Like, I feel like, you know, I got that rose and he's kind of forgotten. And so she's, but she's always the one who was pulling him aside. Like he's not putting in the effort because he is like focusing on other women, but it's fully like, it's his fault. Like he didn't give her enough time and then what and who's to you know it's not to say like if he had given her more time they would be soulmates and get married at the end of this no I don't know but like it's just it's frustrating to watch because like she literally quite quite literally did nothing wrong but I'm proud of her for confronting this and for asking him like straight up she was like I I'd rather know now how you feel than like wait until a rose ceremony yeah yeah and so I'm, I'm really proud of her for doing that because good for her. And it's a scary thing to do, not knowing how it's going to end. But I think like this gave me such a pit while I was watching it because we all know that feeling where you just know it's over and they haven't told you. Like it's yeah. so pit inducing and you always and- go into that those conversations hoping that you're wrong and like hoping that your gut is wrong and it never is. And she was a hundred percent right that he forgot about her the entire time. And he basically just confirmed it. And that is just like such a unique brand of rejection. It's, it's so upsetting because like I said, like I'm proud of her for asking, but you've totally, everybody has been there where it's the question you really don't want to ask because you don't want it to be the answer that you don't want to hear. Like you really want to ask and have them be like, no, I'm going to fight for you. Like I want you here. And it just works out in the exact way that you're like, God, I hope this isn't what happens when I ask this question. And that's exactly what happened. Um, Then, but again, you know, I am like, good for you. Like ask the tough questions. It obviously it's really hard and it's so sad because, you know, everybody loves Abigail, Uh, like literally break America's heart while you're at it. But, and then she really drove it home, break America's heart when she said the most heartbreaking thing ever in the limo, where she basically said, I'm the kind of girl that makes men realize what they want next, but that they never want me. And I, that is like the most relatable shit I've ever heard a contestant say on the show. Mm -hmm. Like that's the worst fucking feeling. And I think everybody's been there where it seems like every guy you date, the next person he dates is his wife. (laughs) I literally think, I think I tweeted this once. I was like, you know, I am the girl people date, but but right before they meet their soulmate, you, I'm not your soulmate, but you date me as a transition and then they meet their literal wife. And it's such a horrible, it's a horrible feeling, but also she's too good for him. She's probably going to be, honestly, if it's not Katie for Bachelorette, it's Abigail. I really think it is actually. I don't, I don't really think it's Katie at this point, but I, who's, who's to say really, but I do think I would not be surprised if it's Abigail because I think she's great and she would be a good Bachelorette and she deserves it. She's a sweetheart, but it was really, it was sad to see, especially that, that moment where she said that I was like, (laughs) shatter me. So then we go back into the house after he sends her home And we see Kit's iconic rich girl energy 
not once but twice this episode where she is so fucking bored with Matt and she literally is auditioning to be sent home. She's like, she's like, I'm 21 years old. I don't want kids. I don't want to get married for a few years. I'm not ready to buy a house. I have to pass my finals. I like, she's literally trying so hard to go home. And he's like, I just really see it with you. She was being earlier in the episode. So she doesn't get a pass from me. Like as much as I'm like, Kit fan club. Also, she was really, really mean to Heather. So like, I remember, make no mistake, but this was hilarious when she was like, I have to finish school. I was like, like, I think we forget that she's 21. I was like, this is so amazing. What an amazing interaction. (laughs) She literally is giving him reasons why they should break up. And, and she's like, this is my five-year plan. And this is what I want to do. And he's like, well, I don't really like have a five-year plan, but like I have pictured us together. And she's like, you idiot. Like she's like, I was giving, she's like, I was handing you the red slip. Like she was literally giving her two weeks notice. And he was like, ah, rejected. No. Also, it was so funny because it just reminded me of like moments on a sitcom where people try to get broken up with so that they don't have to do the breaking up. Except Kit is not an actor, so it wasn't that convincing. She literally was so bored. She literally is like, please send me home. And he's like, I just really like you. And doesn't. She's like, fuck. (laughs) And she's like, god damn it. Okay, I'll have to try again. she does. And so then he... He basically says to like the women too, he's like, you know, obviously it's really serious and I want to like make sure the people here know how I feel about them. Pulls Rachel aside, whatever. Yeah, I don't want to give any additional time to Rachel. I didn't even pay attention. So yeah, but basically the only reason to bring it up is that she does get the group date rose, which means she's also going to hometown. So it's now her and Serena. And then wait, 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 so So they cut to this little date that he goes on with Rachel that I hardly paid attention to. And then they kept cutting back to the other girls at the group date. Like they were literally like, Ladies, like, we're just going to sit here and get in you crying for B-roll, okay? So so just look upset. And they would show, like, Matt and Rachel Mm. dancing and then B-roll of the girls crying at the Nima Colon lobby. (laughs) It was crazy. My mom was like, are they allowed to go home or do they just have to, like, sit there and be sad? It was super weird. Uh, They were, like, literally just forced to, like, sit and cry, Mm -hmm. which, you know, same. But they're, yeah, they're like obviously upset because it's like, fuck. Uh, And usually I feel like they don't do a group date rose the week before hometowns, but they did this week. And so that was another thing. Like, I feel like normally they do a group date, but they like wait because they don't want to give out all the roses before the rose ceremony. But this week they did one. So it was obviously also like, okay, now two people are definitely going to hometowns and here we sit like, and after just watching Abigail leave, it's like, oh God, they're dropping like flies. And then it continues because boy, does it continue. (sighs) Icon behavior. Kit goes to Matt's little Nima Colon cabin and she has already auditioned to be sent home. Matt was not taking the hint. So now she's like, okay, like I'm really not taking him to meet my famous mom. Like I have to go break up with him. So she goes to his yeah. his apartment. This is her callback. She had her initial audition. This is her callback. And she's going to nail the callback if it's the last thing she, she does. She's just like, you could tell she was just so annoyed at the fact that she had to go there because he didn't send her home. Like, so she goes there. She basically repeats what she said to him before about not being ready and like whatever. And then he sends her home. Well, she self-eliminates. They walk out to the SUV. I love a self-elimination. I do. I love I love self-elimination. Sometimes it makes me sad, but I mean, that is, that is my Super Bowl. It, it is the best thing to happen on this show. I was so proud of her. People were kind of giving her shit on Twitter. I was like, good for her, dude. She's 21. She said, I'm tired. I want to go home. I'm going to take a nap. And also she literally never liked him. <laughs> like we never saw her like him. 
she could not have been more bored the entire time she was there. She literally just like was sitting there like, okay, this is horrible. Matt kept her because she looks like the actress from Queen's Gambit and she stayed because she wanted airtime. Yeah. Like it, the relationship served yeah. its purpose. Good for her. So she self-eliminates. And then we go to the last thing in, the, in this episode, which I wrote very little about, but basically Justenia has her one-on-one with, they're, they're basically just, driving cars dangerously like that's the entire date and it's led by someone whose job description is quote professional drifter same me too always drifting through life you know professionally (laughs) uh I think I can really relate to this guy yeah I can't drive well so I don't really know maybe this would be the perfect date for me because I'm a horrible driver or it might be really bad because maybe you have to be like a kind of good driver to be able to be a drifter I don't know my favorite thing is once they're like driving the cars and like one of them kind of fucks up the car he just says the professional drifter just says I think we're done here and walked away there was no like end to the date he was just bye he quarantined for two weeks he took like 16 COVID tests and that was the end of it he was like okay thanks so much bye then we go to the dinner portion they make out a little on the hood of a car unsure why um then we go to dinner and we know that he doesn't like Jasenia that much because he's fully wearing a hoodie to the dinner portion yeah. of the day. Yeah. yeah. Like, what was the decision making? Where was, what was the Rachel, he's like here? wearing a full fucking tux. And Jasenia, he's like, uh, yeah. I'll put on a hoodie. My Amazon essentials he literally, hoodie. Yeah, he literally like keeps an engagement ring in his pocket for the other women. But Jasenia, he was like, oh. Although, I will say good. that Jasenia was kind of blessed with the dinner portion of her date because she got the most well-lit dinner date. Like, she looked- amazing the lighting was amazing. stunning and it was just like reflecting off her perfect skin and I was like okay I know that she's going home we we all know she's going home but at least she's going right. out in good lighting absolutely I mean this date was gorgeous and all you can ask for is that you look amazing when you leave because you obviously bring so many looks with you to go on this show it's like you never know when you're gonna go it's like how do you decide how snatched you're gonna look and it's such a blessing when it's like an absolute yeah, this was good look. for Jasenia. So she looked also amazing. Made, made look, but, to look better by the fact that Matt fully wore a hoodie. Yeah, I mean, next, yeah, it, yeah. But also, so this date, obviously it didn't last very long, but she kind of like, I hate when they do this, when they like continue to like search for any sign that the other person likes them. So she kind of like started talking about how much she liked him and then just kind of like kept talking about it. Because, because she like, uh, she, you know, whatever, she felt like she wasn't getting a response. So she wanted to just like keep digging. And then she's like, I'm falling in love with you. And Matt very iconically says, thank you. For this telling is literally me the episode of friends when Ross tells Emily, he loves her at the airport. And she goes, thank you. And gets on the plane and goes back to England. Like, that was straight up this. It's like, this is only second to on Listen to Your Heart garbage show when Rudy told Matt that she was falling for him. And he said, I think you're very courageous. That was fucking funny. But this is like second place, my favorite response. Like, thank you for telling me. Next time my boyfriend tells me he loves me, I'm going to say that's so courageous. I think you're very courageous. I think that that's an iconic response. I think that that's how I will be responding. <laughs> So wait, so I just want to point out that the only two episodes of the season that my boyfriend has watched are this episode and last episode where Katie went home on a one-on-one 
and he didn't understand that getting a one-on-one is like a good thing. Like after, after he sent Jesenia home, he was like, wait, are, are one-on-ones bad? They're like, you don't want that then? You like really don't want to go on a date with him? Like, not really, actually. So then he obviously does not give her the rose because he said, thank you for telling me instead of I'm falling for you too. And so then Jesenia has reached her moment. We knew that that was coming and she goes home and she's obviously sad. I didn't really write a lot about it, but other than thank you for telling me. And then the end of the episode is just the rose ceremony. Serena and Rachel already have roses. The two up for grabs go to Brie and Michelle, meaning Piper is going home and she leaves without a hug, without saying anything to Matt, nothing. And I get being upset. She just had a one-on-one the week before that went really well. Like, yeah, I get being upset, but at the same time, like when contestants leave without saying anything, asking anything, like it's just not a good look. Um, and I just feel Tia from Ari season posted on her story last night while she was watching. She was like, Girls who leave without saying anything or getting any kind of closure or clarity, like typically end up regretting it. Mm-hmm. Like she, she did have a good one-on-one the week before. It would have been totally normal for her to be like, so what happened? Um, right. And, and we're at the point too, where like he'll walk her out. It was just her going home. He would have, could have walked her out. They could have like actually sat and had a conversation. Like we are at that point now where that's a thing that people do. And she just left and didn't say anything and again all this shit is edited so who fucking knows but from what we saw she didn't like ask a question she didn't say like thank you she just kind of left and again makes sense to be upset but it was just like uh, I just I do feel like she's gonna regret it I do feel like oh you know because everybody always if you can get closure you like want to get it especially when you have time like literally handed to you for it yeah so also I mean, fifth place is not a bad spot to come in on this show. Like Hannah Brown was a fifth placer. Kelly, who ended up like dating Peter, came in fifth. Like, yeah, it's not a bad spot to be in. And I just feel like she had the potential to set herself up for some kind of Bachelorette edit, some kind of Bachelor in Paradise edit. I don't think she would have been the Bachelorette, but it's a great spot to be in to pivot yourself into other things in the franchise. And Granted, with everything going on right now, I don't know that she would want to be on the show again, but she didn't know that at the time that this was filmed and this could have been a good opportunity to pivot herself into something else. So just kind of a wasted opportunity, but. Fifth place is my ideal placement. Like if I went on the show, it's like, I want to be in fifth. I don't want to get a hometown, but I want- How dare you say that? Because the Krebins are literally meant to be on hometowns. They are, but do I want it? No. So- I, I, I feel like fifth is like such a good place to be. And it is. I was like, oh, come on. Today we're talking about a business that is so freaking cool. It's my friend David and his boyfriend Aiden, and they make the coolest, most beautiful concrete planter pots. If you're an aspiring plant parent like I am, I'm a horrible plant parent, but I'm really trying to get better, and I'm so obsessed with these pots. They have all these different styles. They go with any decor you may have. They are based out of Columbus, Ohio, and they offer local pickup and delivery for any of our Ohio friends, as well as domestic shipping anywhere in the U.S. So it doesn't matter where you are in the U.S. It doesn't matter what your style is. They have an option for you. Absolutely go check them out on Instagram at the.plant.gaze. From there, you can go to their website, browse all their little options. You're going to become obsessed. I know it. So this sucks. And like we spent a lot of time this week kind of just in our group chat 
talking about how we wanted to address all of this and what is the appropriate way to address all of this for two white women who it is not our lived experience to really talk about this. But at the same time, it feels frivolous to record a podcast episode where we talk about The Bachelor and only talk about the episode and not the deeply problematic things that are going on in the franchise. So basically, we all, we've all we all talked about Rachel and her allegations and all of that. Um, and we discussed, I know, at pretty much at length last week or the week before, you had mentioned it's really upsetting that she's being silent. And I was like, yeah, it is upsetting. But at the same time, like ABC has a muzzle on her, like she's contracted and she she can't talk until they let her talk. So upsetting that Rachel was silent, but even more upsetting that ABC was not allowing her to speak. Well, ABC was using it to like get attention until they could bring it up at the finale, which is so horrible. This isn't some scandal where she like wore like an ugly prom dress or something like this is trauma. So to not bring it up is so disgusting, like to capitalize on the pain and the trauma of of women of color and people of color in order to get screen time or, or to get like some juice for their finale is just so disgusting. Yeah. And regretfully, I compared it to Garrett last week. And I was like, you know, Garrett won and he had some similar allegations and he wasn't allowed to speak on them until the finale. And it is similar in that sense, but it's also incredibly dissimilar because Garrett liked problematic things on Instagram. He he liked some memes that were fucked up and we ended up learning that Garrett is a racist. So we were yeah. right to be mad. But but regardless, it is it is very dissimilar in the sense that like Garrett liked some stuff on Instagram. Rachel has posted QAnon theories. She's dressing in heinous racial, horrible costumes, like, and like degrading entire groups of people. So that's, that's the backstory. And basically the shit that hit the fan this week was that um, Rachel Lindsay, queen icon president, interviewed Chris Harrison and asked him about the allegations toward Rachel And honestly, I don't want to summarize the interview because I'm sure most people who listen to this podcast have already seen it. If you haven't, it's on YouTube, like go watch it. But basically he just absolutely gaslights Rachel Lindsay. And it's so upsetting to watch, especially because it was not just anybody interviewing him. Like what he said would have been wrong no matter who was interviewing him. But the fact that it was Rachel Lindsay, who until very recently was the only black lead the show had ever had to like sit there and tell her that she should be giving Rachel grace. And, and to say the, to say to her, who are you to decide a black woman, right? A black woman who has faced endless racism and backlash and horrible, horrible things as a result of your franchise, as a result of your franchise of people who watch this franchise who are terrible and racist. Like Rachel, Rachel has gone through so much absolute bullshit. And it's so, it was so disgusting of him as a white man to be like, who am I? Or who are you to say that these things are wrong or to, to cancel her like the woke police or whatever. And it's like, she's a black woman who is traumatized by the actions of this contestant that is on your franchise that your franchise that you are the face of is silencing and after you have capitalized on rachel Lindsay's blackness for ratings you are currently capitalizing on matt james blackness for ratings Mm -hmm. 
to be like, oh, well, who are you to decide? Um, someone that you've made a fuck ton of money off of exploiting right. because I'm black. Like, and someone who constantly is putting in so much work to make the franchise better. She, right. she does, she talks about all of these issues all the time because she's like, an, she's a huge activist and an amazing person who doesn't even owe us that. Like really, right. she doesn't. And she's doing it because she actually wants the franchise to be better. And for her to try to speak on it and try to be like, this is what's unfair. And him to just absolutely silence her, act like she was like really gaslight her, act like she was crazy, act like, you know, how dare you? And basically side with the oppressor, put in way more effort to justify racism than he did to speak out against it or say that it was wrong. And uh, yes. And I think in terms of quote, offering people grace and forgiveness and all of that, Rachel Kirkconnell has since posted a statement. I'm not going to dissect that statement because it's not, it's not mine to accept or deny or whatever. But again, she has posted a statement. Go look at her Instagram if you'd like to read it and assess it for yourself. But I think the point from what I've been listening and learning this week, both from Rachel Lindsay, from Black Bachelorettes, like from these various accounts is like, yeah, grace and forgiveness, sure, with accountability and with earned forgiveness. We can't forgive these white people who are racist just because that's quote, the right thing to do. No, you need to be held accountable and you need to prove that you are changing and learning and growing. Because if there's anybody that does that, it's Rachel Lindsay. When Hannah Brown was under fire over the summer for using the N word in an Instagram live, Rachel Lindsay, when, when Hannah Brown reached out to her and apologized and explained all the work she was doing to try to grow and be better, Rachel Lindsay has since forgiven her and moved on. That's grace because there's accountability there. Right. Like this, like, and this is the thing. And that's basically all Rachel was saying was like, why isn't she speaking on this? And right. she says in the interview, there's nothing in her contract that says she can't knowing what we know that might not have been the case. However, obviously since then ABC has revised her contract and allowed her to speak on it. But Rachel was like, the problem is that I can't get like, there's no grace to give until she actively actually addresses it. And she said to Chris multiple times, she was like, if people were saying these things about you, that you're racist, that you're horrible, that all this, wouldn't you speak out as we've seen, that's exactly what happened. And, but he's like, he, you know, he's like, we have to give time and grace. And it's like, if someone were saying something about you that you knew to not be true, or you didn't want to be true, or you wanted to just speak on an address because you owe that explanation, why wouldn't you give that explanation? And she kept saying that to him. And he basically kept being like, give her a moment, give her great. No, like there's, there's grace when there's accountability. Again, you know, based on what we know about, I, Rachel did say that there's nothing in her contract saying she couldn't speak. I don't know. I don't know the validity of that. I've Rachel probably knows a lot better than I do, being that she was the lead of the show and a contestant, what is in or not in someone's contract. That being said, there have been contestants in the past who have said there were certain things I was contractually not allowed to speak on. So I don't know what's right yeah. and what's wrong. But at the end of the day, and I hate to say like, oh, I feel bad for Rachel Kirkconnell because I don't. But the one thing that I will say that must have been a shitty position to be in is the fact that she had a statement. She posted it, whether it's good, bad, whatever. For all intents and purposes, to our knowledge, she was basically muzzled by ABC. So again, it's not my apology to accept or deny, but I hope that with everything going on, I hope Rachel does take this opportunity to 
grow and educate herself and because uh, the shit she was doing was really gross. It's really just, I hope that she does the work that she says that she wants to do because yeah. she has to. Like we have to, yeah. we owe as white people, that is what we owe to do the work, yeah. to learn, to unlearn racism and to become actively anti-racist. It's not just, well, I'm not racist. It's actively yeah. seeking to become anti-racist. And she's, she, she acknowledged that in her statement. And I hope that she lives up to that. Yeah. Same. That being said, the end result of all of this is that Chris Harrison posted, he posted his initial statement about the interview. And then he posted another statement to his Instagram about how he will be temporarily stepping down from the franchise this seems like a bigger victory than it is. The only reason I say that is because there were petitions going for Chris Harrison to get fired. Smart on his part, but he basically stepped down before he could get fired. And second of all, he did not say he's permanently stepping down. He said he's temporarily stepping down and he said he's stepping down as host. Chris Harrison is still an executive producer on the franchise at this time. So while yes, it is a victory, it is a small victory and and I hope that Chris either really, I mean, same thing we're calling for Rachel Kirkconnell to do. I hope he educates himself and is able to, if he moves forward with this franchise, even if it's just as a producer, I hope he's able to do that from a more educated place. Yeah. But the really sad fucking thing that came out of this is that Rachel Lindsay has basically said she's not going to continue her contract with the franchise. Um, she hosts Bachelor Happy Hour podcast, which is one of the only actual like Bachelor affiliated podcasts. Yeah. And she's basically said, look, I'm done. Like I'm done with this franchise. I'm done with having to educate everybody all the time and like get attacked. And I don't blame her for being done. She deserves a break because this is, ex I can only imagine how exhausting this is for her. But at the same time, I'm like, fuck, give her Chris's job. I want Rachel to host the show. I know. Like, ugh. Yeah. Again, like I said, like she doesn't owe us this anymore. And I totally get it. Like yeah. she's been through absolute fucking hell trying to make this franchise better. And they never listen clearly as we've seen, but it is, it's hard because I, you know, we love her it's selfishly. Like it's, it's hard. Selfish. Yeah. Absolutely. Selfishly. Like I adore her and I love her. And I think she's an amazing person. Best bachelorette. Yep. One of the only people that is still with their partner and also just has a very clearly healthy relationship so it's 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 hard it, it's a it's and, a hard loss and it's a loss that we should that the bachelor franchise sh absolutely should feel because they should recognize that what they how the way they have treated her is wrong so yeah. yeah it's really disappointing um that being said we have talked on it for a while it is not a situation that i think either of us really feel comfortable giving too much of our kind of personal whatever to you just because it's not our place. But you know, if I'm assuming if you listen to this podcast, cause you like the bachelor that much, then you probably already know what's going on. But if yeah. you don't go watch the interview on YouTube, go look at Chris and Rachel's statements on Instagram, make of them what you will. We'll see what happens. And it absolutely yeah. like is as, as white people, it is on us to hold accountable to understand yeah. that like there does need to be change. And we, we will always continue to do that because we are, yeah. we are, constantly also doing our own work to become anti-racist and to to live that like what we're saying so of course you know we always are going to speak on these things but it's not our place to be like great you know like whatever like accept apologies or forgive or whatever because we are not the people who are traumatized by this and and we are mad <laughs> but it's not our place to offer forgiveness or qualify anything that we see in the last 
week. And something I also just quickly want to touch on is it is our responsibility as consumers of this franchise to A, challenge it when it is incredibly unfair, but also something Emily and I have talked about a lot this week is like, if we don't see change from this situation, how comfortable do we feel as consumers and viewers continuing to support a franchise that is not moving toward a positive change. So I challenge everybody who listens to our podcast, who feels as strongly about this as we do to take that into consideration as we move forward. And if we see positive change and we see the work being done, then okay, let's keep recording our silly little podcast about The Bachelor and having a silly goose time. But if we don't see positive change, then we have to start considering what we as consumers give our time and money and support to. And don't worry, you guys, like Kayla and I could talk our heads off about any topic. Name it. <laughs> we could have a, we could have a podcast about broccoli. I mean, who cares? So we're not going anywhere. <laughs> we're not going anywhere. We might just be not talking about this franchise if, if they don't make the change that they really need to make. And that's not on that. And that's not on that. Anyway, we encourage you, if you haven't, to follow Black Bachelorettes on Instagram. And watch the, watch the IGTV that they posted um, yeah. a couple days ago. It is I've watched it like three times. It is really important. And I think if you are grappling with how to possibly process all of this or, you know, where you, where you think you stand on all of it, it's an incredibly informational video and, and, oh, get Rachel Lindsay to a million followers. If you don't already follow yeah, Rachel, follow Lindsay, Rachel Lindsay, Lindsay on Instagram, what the fuck are you doing? Go follow Rachel Lindsay on Instagram. She's literally the only bachelorette out of the last last like seven or eight that is not over a million followers on Instagram, which is so stupid. Go follow her. Yeah. She's amazing. Black Bachelorettes is amazing. All of them are doing work that they really don't owe us, but they are, they're putting out amazing informational content that I think everyone can benefit from. So we, we really encourage you to go check it out and thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, obviously this was a really tough week to watch as bachelor nation (laughs) and to see everything unfold. And uh, not the episode. The episode was so fucking boring. But the but just everything that <laughs> everything that has happened w- was hard. And I and we understand that the episode and- is hard to watch because the season's hard to watch because it's, <laughs> it's just dry as the fucking Sahara. But but yeah, really, it's a tough week, and it's something that we want to continue to push for change, push for accountability because we want this franchise to be better because we like the franchise. We want to like the franchise, but we want to see them make some change. So all right. Anyway, thank you for listening. Go subscribe. Give us a follow on Instagram. Go subscribe for when this podcast turns into a discussion about like reruns of (laughs) like Lizzie McGuire. I mean, what are we going to (laughs) cover? Yeah, seriously. Welcome to our Lizzie McGuire podcast. Um, So go follow. Can't wait. Subscribe. And follow us on Instagram at Don't Insult My Podcast. That's it. Oh, yeah. We'll talk to you next time.